Today on Locked On Canadians, the Laval Rocket. Not a great game. We'll talk about that and Joshua Ra's debut. Then, would we want Kulak back from the Oilers? Would we want Jesse Pugliarvi from the Oilers? And finally, we're back to doing season reviews. And can Brendan Gallagher get back into Brendan Gallagher shape for next season? For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 633 of Locked On Canadians. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize, who covers the rocket for Habs Eyes on the Prize, and we will be talking about that in just one moment, but I have a couple of corrections to make. The first correction was that I told Scott that um, Sycamus was pronounced Sycamus a long time ago. And then I learned that I was incorrect, but I never updated him. So for those of you who watched the last YouTube and commented on it, that was my fault, not Scott's fault. Um, another correction was that we were talking about the uh, cap recapture penalty that Nashville would have to pay on Shea Weber. The amount does not change, but in fact, the 2020 CBA was updated so that they would pay that out over multiple years and it would be a reduced amount. So it wouldn't be $26 um, million on the cap as a penalty it would be a bit they would get the chance but it would sit on their cap for a longer time i believe it's around four million dollars that they would have uh to do and finally somebody called me on the um ltir at the beginning of the season i promised i'd talk about it on today's show but uh i have been doing the research and i'm not fully well versed or confident that i um that i have it right so i'm gonna take a couple more days and deal with that and review that uh there is something to do with the first day of the season and there is a complication, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. Those are all the corrections that I wanted to make. Uh, Scott, the Laval Rocket need to make some corrections. Uh, yeah. Um, tonight's game was, uh, without getting into the officiating part of it, shambolic, to be quite honest. The Rocket were playing well through about a period and a half. Uh, and they kind of came unglued a little bit at the end of the second period. They killed off a pair of five-on-three uh Springfield power plays impressively that it's like okay you can come back from this and then their defensive miscues have caught up to them in this series over and over and over again and Springfield is making them pay for that and the biggest issue with all of this is that power plays are not handed out evenly in this uh Springfield had eight of them tonight Laval had four and if you're given an opportunity in this game and they were given a five on three down two goals with a chance to get into this and really make some things happen. They instead surrendered a shorthanded goal for Will Bitten's hat trick and didn't score a goal of their own. Uh, the power play itself was not where it needs to be. The first unit is great. They move the puck well, but they're not getting finish on their chances, which is in and of itself is a problem. And then power play two is just non-functioning at this point. Like Sammy Niku is doing his best to distribute the puck, but it's handled like a grenade by a lot of these players here. And I get why Joshua Wadden start the game on the power play. I look at this and I go, he is someone that you needed out there. You need a shooter and you need creativity in these situations. And I get you trust the guys that have gotten you this far. Joel Teasdale was very good down the stretch. And I get knowing what you have. 
but you got to take risks at the same time. If you don't take risks, you're not going to win games, especially ones that you're right there. And yes, you're losing. And yes, it sucks. And yes, it's frustrating. But if you don't take the risk, you don't get to complain when it doesn't, when it, things don't go your way at the end of the day. Like it's as simple as that. That's not a thing that's going to happen. And it was frustrating because I don't think anything of this was Caden Primo's fault. The defense behind him in their defensive zone, clearing attempts were lazy. They were on the backhand. They were up the middle of the ice and they were right to sticks of the opponents. That's basic hockey 101. Uh, and the worst part about this game tonight is that in attendance were Jeff Molson, Michael Pozzetta, Nick Suzuki, and Marie-Philippe Poulin. And that is the effort that the team put on in front of all of those important people. And it, it's it's frustrating because some of it is on them. Yes, the team has to win games, but if you watch that game in general, just it was not well called. This entire series has not been well called. And it's very clearly favoring one of these two teams right now. I want to know what everyone else wants to know. What did Josh Marois look like in his AHL debut? It, he was fine. And I, I say that as not a bad thing. He didn't do anything wrong or egregious. He had some good looks. He's showing good patience and being able to read the play very well. He just didn't score, which is fine. Not a lot of people on the Rocket scored or did anything of note tonight to begin with. I want to see him on the power play in the next game. You cannot look at an 0 for 4 performance like this in a game where you were given an opportunity to get back in it and your power play gave you nothing and gave up a goal. You got to do something. And Joshua, why is that something? It's handed to you on a platter. This is not sh uh, shuffling guys around. This is not Donick Martel goes to power play one. This is not Xavier Willette and Sammy Niku switch spots. This is a guy who led the QMJHL in scoring less than a couple weeks ago who you is one of your brightest prospects not in the NHL ranks right now. You got to give him the opportunity. You eased him in. You played very well at even strength. I don't think he was a weak spot out there. Maybe a little bit nervous as he adjusts to the game. But at the same time, I look at this and go, you got to give him the chance now. You, this is not a hold it back and, you know, see what we got. You have to let this go. And I think we'll see that hopefully in game four. I know JF Hool is talking about, you know, needing to play with some more intensity and a little bit more physicality, but man, you got to score goals. You don't score goals by hitting dudes and scrumming in front of the net after the whistle. Like you, you win by scoring goals. That's, that's how it goes. Being creative and taking risks, which is something that he is known for. And I, like, I think one of those things is that with any player, when, when they have a highly, uh, highly touted debut, a much hyped debut, I guess, uh, everybody's excited, right? We've been talking about him for a whole season since he started setting himself apart in the QMJHL. And a lot of times it goes like that. It's like he played a little, he was fine, he didn't do anything crazy, he didn't do anything huge, but that shouldn't be a disappointment. I think a little bit, like you said, they should, they really need to get him out there on that second unit and we'll see a little bit more. So hopefully the next game goes a little bit better because there are two more games in Laval before the series goes back to Springfield. And we really want them to need that to, to get those two games because they are now down 2-1 in a series against a really decent team at a time when a lot of things are going wrong for them that aren't uh, necessarily fatal. They just need to right the ship a little bit. Yeah, and I, I look at it this way is that they've done remarkably well up until the end of this game, keeping their temper. But at a certain point, the officiating has let this series get completely out of hand. In the last two games, any time that Caden Primo's frozen a puck or made a save, 
someone from Springfield is skating directly into him or jabbing at him or slashing him, and the officials aren't doing anything. The Rocket have noticed this. Caden Primo tonight got run over in his crease after making a save and immediately pointed at the official and was like, are you going to do anything about this? And sooner or later, it's going to boil over. It's going to be ugly, and it's going to be stupid. We saw it a little bit tonight. Dakota Joshua boarded someone from behind, didn't get a penalty for it. So Alex Belzeal just said, screw it, threw off his gloves, and just started punching him in the face until he could no longer punch him in the face anymore. And you know what? Good for him. You can only take so much before you have to look at it and go, you know what? They're not going to do a damn thing. I am. And then you get stupid things happening. The Rocket have been stunningly disciplined in terms of not doing after the whistle stuff through three series here. And for whatever reason, the officials aren't giving them any benefit of the doubt in this. Yeah, Donick Martel's a little bit, you know, Maxime Lapierre-ish in the way that he does things. But he isn't running into goalies and slashing people after the whistle like that. And they can't get a call against any of these guys like that. And it's... It's egregious. They've missed so many things, and it's like, it's not the reason they lost, but it's impacting the way they play when you're not sure if you're going to get hit in the numbers and nothing's going to happen. So that is that is my low-key officiating rant for this. I don't want to talk about that game. Chuck it in the <laughs> bin, and let's get on to the next thing. Yeah, let's move on and have a better game, uh, or two better games this weekend. In the meantime, in our next segment, do we want Jesse Pugliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers, or do we want Brett Kulak back? Or why not both? That's coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I started using because I wanted to take control of my health. And that's Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and it supports recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And it is the one thing with the best things. If you're like me and you've got a really busy life, that's something that you need to stay on top of your health. They use the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, focus, and aging. All the things. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health just like I'm doing and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements and things to keep track of to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And before we get into our next segment, we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about the listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and you don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $100 Ticketmaster.com gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thanks for your help. I took a peek at the questions, and it's really, really important that you fill them out because there's tons of stuff in there, including what kind of ads you want to see. So that's really, really important. Please go ahead and fill that out. And 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 I know it means a lot to listeners. That kind of stuff is, is important to listeners. So that's what we want to hear about you from. All right, Scott, 
let's talk about this because it felt a little bit like a throwaway quote, a throwaway tweet. Um, but you sent it to me and I got really intrigued. So um, Brett Kulak has not completely ruled out the possibility of uh, coming back to Montreal. In fact, let me find the quote so that I can properly, accurately represent it. It is in French. It is... Okay, so it was from Jonathan Bernier, and he said that he uh, chatted for a few minutes with uh, Brett Kulak, and he said that there is a absolutely a chance that they that we'll see him back in uh, Montreal. He becomes a UFA this season, so he gets to choose where he signs, and we know that Montreal uh, got a lot of use out of him. He was a very useful player in Montreal. He seemed happy here as well. He got a chance to play with Stanley Cup. Unfortunately, that ended pretty early, thanks to Mike Smith and the rest of the Oilers' weird depth, which we're going to get into again in a couple of moments with Jesse Pujarvi. Um I have to say that I would not in any way be disappointed to see Brett Kulak back. And in fact, I would be really happy to see Brett Kulak back in Montreal, if that happens. If it happens. like Again, he said it's a chance. Now, we don't know if the Canadians will call him or if he'll choose somewhere else. So I, I look at Brett Kulak as this in that if Jeff Petrie is gone, I can see Brett Kulak coming back and being that stable defensive guy here. And I have natural stat, tra- stat trick up in the background. We love natural stat trick on this show. Uh, one to look up some stuff on Yessi Pugliarvi, which we'll get to. But Brett Kulak, who was there for all of 18 games, had one of the best expected goals for percentage relative to his teammates ahead of guys like Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman and Darnell Nurse, and et cetera, et cetera, behind just Connor McDavid and Jesse Pugliarvi and Cooper Maruti, who played just one game, so I don't really count him. So let's say third on the team overall. Brett Kulak's just a sneaky, underrated piece that we assume Edmondson's going to be here. We know Romanov's going to be here. We assume David Savard is going to be here. We don't know about Jeff Petrie yet. And it kind of takes the onus off of a Matthias Norlinder a Jordan Harris, a Justin Barron to be 100% guaranteed NHL ready to fill that void right now. I think Harris can be a very good bottom six plug-in right now. And I feel the same way about Justin Barron, but I'd like to see more of what they can do. And it would not surprise me if they play a little time in the AHL next year while they sort this out. But I look at, if you get a Brett Kulak, who is such a Swiss army knife that penalty killing, even strength, not power play. He's not a power play guy, unfortunately, but He's very good at being a mimic to what the team needs. Do you need a guy to be the defensive piece on a pairing and let the other guy be the offensive guy? Do you want someone to carry the puck out? He can do that. He's a very good safety blanket, and I think that's something that Martin St. Louis is going to want on his defense. Joel Edmondson does pretty well at that. Jeff Petrie, when he was playing under Marty, also did that very well. But there's no reason why you can't have another. I keep forgetting Chris Weidman is here too. If they want to do that, depending on what they do with the defense, if Jeff Petrie is gone and Brett Kulak is back, it's very clear to me that they want a bigger role for these kids. Uh, If Petrie stays, you're going to see some of these kids start the season, the AHL. No matter what, I'm in favor of bringing Brett Kulak back. I don't think the price is going to be exceedingly high. I think you can get a multiple-year deal out of that. And the way I look at it is you could have traded him, gotten your second-round pick, which they did, re-signed him, And then if you need to, you can trade him again. And he's still likely to be a pretty good piece for another team and recoup more assets. It's this, you know, very fun cycle uh, that we could do with Brett Kulak if he were to re-sign in Montreal this summer. 
the word that I would describe Brett Kulak as is comforting. Um, for me, I find it comforting when he is in the lineup because he does the correct things. He corrects mistakes a lot of time. He neutralizes mistakes. Um, and I also want to mention, because we keep talking about bringing somebody on uh, to talk about Caden Gooley, a couple of listeners have talked about maybe they want Caden Gooley to spend the season in the AHL, even though in my mind, he's probably one of the more NHL-ready prospects. So we're going to talk to a couple of people, actually. We, we, we have been speaking to a couple of people who have a lot of access to him uh, on the w- WHL end uh, to give us their thoughts on Caden Gooley, and that's going to come up in the coming weeks as well. We've got Russ Cohen from um, the Locked On Flyers podcast. Podcast. We will be doing crossovers with Locked On Flyers to talk about all the things that Russ learned at the Combine. And that's all coming up. Uh, we also have, uh, we were going to go a whole week without a guest, but I have a personal commitment. And so our good friend Ian Bover is coming back to do the mailbag with us. So remember, for a mailbag question, you can tweet it at us, LO underscore Canadians. You can email it to us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave it in the YouTube comments. And I just want to note for our YouTube listeners, if I, like, usually when I take note of a YouTube question, I'll respond that I added it to the mailbag. If you don't get a response like that, just ask the question again until you do get a response saying I've added it to the mailbag, because we are so grateful to our listeners. There have been so many of you, so many YouTube viewers, so there have been so many people commenting that sometimes some of this stuff gets missed. So as long as I confirm to you, then uh, it will be in the next mailbag. If not, just ask your question again in the following video, the following day, and I will make sure uh, at some point I will I will be able to take note of your question. One last thing before we move on to Brendan Gallagher is Jesse Pugliarvi. I saw a couple of people saying they would want him uh, in Montreal in our comments. And then I saw some people saying, no, thank you. So Scott, what are your thoughts? I know you just pulled up the, the Edmonton playoff stats. Let's talk about Jesse Pugliarvi. It seems like Edmonton doesn't want to keep him based on reporting from Edmonton. Now, this is not confirmed, but that's the sense that I believe it was Ryan Rashog that was po- that was talking about this. Uh, yeah, the, from what I understand, Ryan Rashog was on, I believe, TSN 1260. I think that's the one that's out there. And said, if it comes down to Kair Yamamoto and Yessi Pugliarvi, that the Oilers are leaning towards uh, Kair Yamamoto right now, which, you know what? Great. I love Kyrie Yamamoto as a player. I would love to have him on the Canadians. And he's someone that I've wanted on the team for a while now. But I look at it again and I go, why are you giving up on Jesse Pugliarvi so easily? Uh, I think he's a player that's very valuable. I'm looking at uh, their playoff stats here and expected goals. He was behind, oddly enough, Chris Russell, but in 10 more games played, uh, 59% expected goals. That's above... Kyrie Yamamoto and Evander Kane and Connor McDavid. And I just look at this and I go, he doesn't have to be Arturi Lekkanen, but he's a piece that I think could fit very well on that top line. Yes, he played with Connor McDavid and he's not putting up superstar numbers, but he's got the little micro stats thing that I think a newly advanced, this new department under Chris Boucher is going to look at and go, there's a player we can work with here in the offensive zone. He's, he's quite large. He's got a big old head. And he does the little things right. It's just his luck isn't quite there in that turn. He had a real rotten PDO in the playoffs, if I remember this correctly. Like, I I don't see why you don't take a chance. Yeah, he had a 981, you know, PDO. Not awful, but not the best at the same time. But in terms of For people- For listeners on- not familiar with PDO, that essentially is a stat that measures your bad luck or your yeah. good luck. It's, uh, I believe it's the on-ice save and your shooting percentage. It, his shooting percentage wasn't what you wanted it to be, which, you know what? 
it happens. Sometimes you get go- just ask Brendan Gallagher for God's sakes. Like it sometimes you just we don't. will in a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like sometimes you just don't have luck. Like I look at this team here, Kyrie Yamamoto. Let's see. GSC Puliarvi had three points in 16 playoff games at five on five. Like that's that's rough, but at the same time, like oh wow, he only had three points total at all strength. That's not great, but the luck's not there. I, I think this is a change of scenery thing. We've heard his name thrown around for years now. And the Oilers allegedly um, want to bring back Evander Kane at a number that starts with a seven. That was another factor that I was going to mention is that their their goal is to sign him, is to re-sign him. Um, and so that's why it's not going to leave a lot of room for both Kaira Yamamoto and, and Jesse PRV. And he's also pretty young, eh? He's 24 years old. He's not, uh, it's not, he's about to enter his prime. He's not, he's not in it yet. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, if you, we'll discuss more as we go here, but like, you know, let us know what you think. We don't need him to be a superstar, but you know, there's a player there that can be used, that can be very useful. I think for a rebuilding team like the Canadians. I agree. And so speaking of the rebuild, we kind of, uh, we didn't drop off on our player reviews. We're still going to be doing them throughout throughout the offseason, particularly for players that we think are coming back or we are assuming will come back. Um, and we're going to talk about Brendan Gallagher and can he overcome both the injury and the loss of his two major line mates um, and bring it back next season. And all of that's coming in just one moment. But first, let me really quick remind you about Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. If you're familiar with our podcast, you'll know we love Built Bar. Uh, it's one of our favorite sponsors. They're delicious. High in protein, bring you a lot of energy. For me, I use them in the morning as an on-the-go breakfast. Sometimes I'll use them before or after a run. Scott takes them on his hikes with him. Um, and they're delicious. And so now they have granola bars. Built Bar granola bars. Again, high in protein, low in sugar. So good for you. Um, and all of Built Bar's products are really delicious, made with real chocolate. So uh, check them out. And if you want to try Built Bar, you can go to built.com. And enter promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is built.com and promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. All right, it is time to do a player review of Brendan Gallagher. Now, one of the things that I want to mention real quick is that Brendan Gallagher was on a line that was one of the best in the entire NHL. It was one of the most efficient, it was one of the most productive, and it was behind only like superstar lines. And that was when he was on a line with Philippe Deneau and Thomas Tatar, who after last year's playoffs were no longer on the team, and he felt that loss. But another thing that he was playing through was apparently what he termed as all over the lower body injury. So obviously the Canadians had a short off season last year. Uh, there were a lot of changes, a loss of linemates. So Brendan Gallagher, I think out of most of the players suffered a lot. In the I, changes. yeah, I, I, for Brendan Gallagher, it's tough because you could tell throughout the season that he was playing through something that likely didn't heal because of the playoff run last year. He's had his hands busted up, and we've seen when his hands are healthy and he's good to go, he's good for 20 to 30 goals in a season. Is he going to be a 30-goal guy in this version of the Canadians? Maybe not, but he's not 24 points in 56 games. He's going to be closer to, I would say, a 20-25 player on goals and assists there. Yes, he's missing Philippe Deneau. And Thomas Tatar. Like, that's tough, and that's out of his control. And I know his new deal kicks in, I believe it's this season. 
I have no reason to not think that Brendan Gallagher will bounce back. He still does all the same things. He's getting pucks to where they need to go. He's getting to the front of that. He's not changing the way he plays because it's still effective. It's just sometimes you, we talked about it with Jesse Pugliarvi is sometimes you don't have the bounces. And this is a guy who gives a crap. And I don't mean that to say that other people don't, but I don't think anyone wears their heart on their sleeve for the Montreal Canadiens more than Brendan Gallagher at this point. And that's always been the case. He's all heart. He's all hustle. He gets himself into situations that maybe he probably shouldn't put himself into. And I think he's one of those guys that if he actually got the surgeries he needed this offseason, he got the time off to recover and actually heal up what I assume I believe was a pelvic injury. You, there was a game, I think it was Ottawa or Edmonton. He gets hit into the boards and you can immediately see his face grimace and he falls to the ice and you go, that's not good. Something's torn. Something is popped. Something isn't where it needs to be. And because he's Brendan Gallagher, he played through it like an idiot because hockey players are hockey players. It, it, it's you want more from him, but at the same time, a guy who's very clearly not healthy. How much can you really expect from a guy trying to play on like one good leg on a last place team right now? He'll be better. And I, this, this year it's a one-off. I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's going to be this poor. Just he has too many metrics in his favor that screamed to me. This is a bounce back. A couple of lucky bounces, non-goaltender interference calls or not. And everything looks a little bit better. Yeah, and that, that was one thing that I did want to talk about because Brendan Gallagher's kind of come up uh, in some conversations that I've been following, you know, not just in our comments, but also in our tweets and on our timelines and things like that. Like, people are saying that maybe the Canadians want to package him away and move on from him and get assets or picks or something like that. And I understand that if you are the Canadians and somebody comes asking for him, you entertain every possibility. But as we've seen with Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, they're very methodical and they're very patient. So, you know, if they're going to uh, allow Brendan Gallagher to be traded elsewhere, it's going to be for good value. But at the same time, I know people in this market love Brendan Gallagher because he has no uh, mode except for going too hard, going 100%, not even 100%, 200%, right? Even when he's injured, even when he's struggling, even when he's not able to get his game, he's always giving it his all. Um, and so I know players, uh, fans in this market really appreciate him. And the reason that I wanted to do a player review of him is because I've seen the talk about him and I've seen people talking about how he's on the decline. And it's true, he is aging. But I also think that this season was a one-off in terms of how unproductive he was. Uh, I do think that he will bring it back. Whether it's going to be with the Habs or not remains to be seen. But, you know, overall for me, the season review itself, not that great. But the outlook, pretty good, I think. And I, I look at Brendan Gallagher and how he is as a player. And I forget who we were talking to about this, whether it was uh, Andrew Berkshire when we were on Game Over together or not. But if Shane Wright is the pick and we are avoiding the discourse because Shane Wright should be the first overall pick. If you have Brendan Gallagher, you have the perfect insulator for a player like Shane Wright. Brendan Gallagher, you know what he's going to do. He's going to go to the net, stick on the ice. He's going to get in front of the goal. He's going to cause traffic. He's going to open up space for you. Whereas Josh Anderson might be a little bit of a wild card because you don't know if he's going to go to the net, go through the end board, start a fight, look handsome, or score a goal. It's it's a wild card. Or Brendan all. Gallagher, uh, all. Yeah, all is always good. Brendan Gallagher is a very simplistic player, which should make him very easy to plug and play wherever you want to go. 
And if you have Nick Suzuki as your top line center, which you should with Cole Caulfield and whomever, if you are bringing in Shane Wright and you're keeping Christian Dvorak, you just swap them around between lines there and figure out what works. Because Christian Dvorak, I thought, played well. But Brendan Gallagher is that guy that you can put him out there, have him get the pucks out, do the right thing, give up his body. And when you're leading, you can play him with Shane Wright and be like, go out there, you guys do your thing. You need defensive minutes, you can put Christian Dvorak up a little bit. The versatility helps. And I think him being healthy is going to help. And I think this season, finishing last for a guy like Brendan Gallagher, who doesn't like to lose at anything, even bets with his teammates sour him for weeks on end, He's going to come out full of piss and vinegar next season. He's going to be feisty. He's already mad at the officials in the NHL player or, uh, system for reviewing goals. And then he has on a last place team where he was injured to hell. Everything's changing. If there's anyone that's going to come out and try to make an immediate impact, it's going to be Brendan Gallagher next season. That's a good thing for Shane Wright. It's a good thing for Christian Dvorak. It's probably a good thing for Nick Suzuki too. A good Brendan Gallagher makes the Canadians a much better team overall. He's one of, when he's on, he's one of the NHL's most underrated uh, forwards going around. And my final thought is he was right about Tim Stutzla. <laughs> Deal with it. I, I didn't say anything I, mean. We're he gonna was right. Letters. We're going to get, you know what? I'm going to direct all the letters to you, Scott. I'm um, going to throw them in the trash and then dump that trash in a sewer. I don't I, care. You know, I don't disagree. Here's the thing <laughs> is that like, I think they're both right. That's the thing. Like Tim Stutzla until he starts getting called for diving is going to keep diving. But Brendan Gallagher, until Tim Stutzla gets called for diving, is going to keep pointing out that he's diving, right? Like, nobody's crying here. Everybody's just using what they can to their advantage. And I think we should stop the discourse about them crybabying or Brendan Gallagher's losing his mind or Tim Stutzla's an awful person or whatever. If I'm getting away with diving, I'm going to keep doing it, right? That's just the way it is. Like, it's a market inefficiency that Tim Stutzla is currently exploiting and Brendan Gallagher is trying to expose. Uh, that's what we're going to say. So uh, real quick, uh, when you said the Shane Wright pick, uh, there's actually a really interesting, uh, really long piece from Ar- Arpan Basu and Mark Antoine Godin. They were in Buffalo for the Combine and they have put together all the things that they've heard and gleaned from that. And there is actually a little bit of talk about Slavkovsky as well. For those of you who uh, who are in Team Slavkovsky, which Slavkovsky, oh my God, I keep adding that S there. I don't understand why. Um But anyway, uh, that's a really interesting article on The Athletic. It was from a couple of days ago. I want to say it was Monday or Tuesday that the article came out. Uh, Definitely, definitely uh, take a look at that. There's a lot of info in there. Um, I think whoever the Canadians pick, I think either one. And if they do trade and get the other one, like a lot of people are kind of hoping that they do. Whatever happens, I think Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes will have made the best decision for themselves after a lot of talk and thought and research. Um... And so I'm very confident in that pick. In the meantime, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate us so that people can find us. Rate us well so people can find us. Uh, Tell your friends about us uh, on YouTube as well. You can subscribe. We're so grateful to all of you for supporting the show. And we have so many good guests coming up, including tomorrow. Ian from The Build Podcast, subscribe to The Build, uh, is is coming on uh, to do the mailbag as I will be away. So don't forget your mailbag questions. LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave them in the, in the YouTube comments. And also, as I said, if I don't answer back after a few hours, please, or, you know, on the next video or whatever, until I acknowledge it, uh, please ask the question again until I acknowledge it. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, once you're done listening to this, 
you can check out Locked On NHL where they're covering all angles of the playoffs. We're almost down to the finals and they are, just check them out. Just make them your second listen of the day after us. Thank you so much for listening and Scott and Ian will talk to you tomorrow.